bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otterville. And now, today's word. Now, if you look at the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9 to 14, God talks about different forms of idolatry, different forms, different forms, that he prohibited his holy nation from participating in. I believe that the same rule applies today. So I'm going to read through them and uh, just explain them a bit. Because sometimes we, we get into idolatry and contaminate our hearts and we don't even know we are walking in idolatry. We don't even know that we, we, we are doing something that God says we must not do. So I want you to listen carefully. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9 to 14. When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. Verse 10. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them from before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you will dispossess, listen to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. God has not appointed such things for us. So what are some of the things that he talks about? There are several of them. He talks about human sacrifice. He says you shall not let your child pass through the fire. And in the world that Israel lived in those days, human sacrifice was very, very you know, rampant. People, uh, in order to have power, sacrificed their children. They sacrificed their children and uh, had power, whether for money or for protection from evil spirits or whatever, human sacrifice. Now, some of you say, well, I don't sacrifice humans. Mm, I know most of you don't. One or two of you may, but <laughs> most of you don't. So you are clear of that. Then he talks about witchcraft. Witchcraft. Or wizardry that is performing signs to ward of evil or to mis mislead God's people now the witchcraft in the Bible is not the same as how Ghanaians understand witchcraft you know when, when Ghanaians we talk about witchcraft we're talking about people who fly at night and it is included but it is not all of that uh, witchcraft is is performing signs is doing things to to provide guidance direction to other people 
Then he talks about soothsaying. Soothsaying is revealing the future events, but not through God's spirit. And so uh, in, in, the, in, the, in those days, there were people who were soothsayers and who would come and say, so and so and so and so and so is going to happen to you. And most sometimes those things happen. They were not false in terms of the information they gave out, but the source of the information was false. When we were kids, I don't know whether it happens now, there were some people who used to come around neighborhoods and who say uh, they, they have something to say. And, and, and they would come and tell you, you so-and-so, your auntie did this and your mother is that and the, you know, somebody put something in your food and that's why you can't have a child. You know, those kinds of things, soothsaying. Soothsaying. It's a form of idolatry. Interpreting omens. Interpreting omens is like palm reading. Somebody says, bring your palm. He takes your palm and says, well, the, the way the M is, you have money. And uh, the way this one goes long here, it means you, you will live long and all of that. Palm reading. Palm reading. Or card reading, whether tarot reading. Or beads reading. Or cowries reading. Interpreting omens. Or astrology. Interpreting the constellations where the star, so and so star goes there, and that star goes there, and you are Capricorn, and you are uh, Saturn, and you are so and so. And some of you Christians describe yourself, some people say, Well, I'm a Capricorn. I'm a Cap. Ah, I am a, which one? I, I am a Pisces. I am, I am a Aries. Uh, uh, it's interpreting omens, it's a form of idolatry. You are not Capricorn. You are a born-again child of God. You are not Virgo. You are not Scorpio. You are not uh, Taurus. You are redeemed. Learn to call yourself the way God calls you, not the way idols call you. You don't spend your time reading astrology, the horoscope, and still serve Jehovah. It's idolatry. If you want to keep your hearts pure, you have to keep idolatry out of your heart. You don't go for somebody to read your palm or somebody to read the cowries or somebody to read cards. Anybody who says he's reading you is not reading from God. And if you go for any reading like that, you are practicing idolatry your heart is not right with God interpreting omens some people say well the stars turn this way and the moon turns that way and someone is in alignment sorcery sorcery was another thing sorcery is basically making things appear you know there are people who have all these powers and they can command money to appear command gold to appear and command things to appear if you go to people like that or they command those things to appear and you participate in them, you are participating in idolatry and a demon can easily enter your body, your spirit. So you have to be careful. Christianity is not magic. Jesus worked miracles. He didn't work magic. Somebody says, what's the difference between a magic and a miracle? Magics are for sure. Miracles solve real problems. 
All right? Jesus didn't just do things. Even when he provided food for people, it's because the people had been with him for three days and had no food. When he walked on water, it wasn't to show how powerful he was. It was because his disciples were having a shipwreck and they were about to go into a crisis and he had to go and get them. And there was no boat, so he walked on water. When there was boat, he takes the boat. Jesus was not in showmanship. He was in solving real human need. When somebody conjures money, what has he done? He's just showing you how powerful he is. Anyone who does supernatural acts just to prove he's powerful is doing magic. Even if he's using the name of Jesus, he's doing magic. Spell casting. Spell casting is one who invokes spells and curses. Spell casting. In, 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 uh, in our environment, we call it throwing medicine. Spell casting. Now, you know, sometimes I've even seen Christians do that. People hurt you so bad. And I, sometimes I hear Christians begin to hell curses and invoke curses. Now, whose name are you invoking those curses? Definitely not Jehovah. So who is going to make those curses come to pass? It's not Jehovah, and if it's not Jehovah, you are invoking another spirit. We are commanded to bless and not to curse. If somebody needs to be cursed, Jehovah takes care of it. He says, vengeance is mine, but yours is not to pray and curse people. And there are even Christians who curse people, they dig the ground and, and command and say so and so and so this happens to them, they put the, whatever they've said in the ground and cover it. That is idolatry, it's witchcraft it is sorcery, it's spell conjuring you don't take water and pour on the ground and curse people you don't pour anointing oil olive oil and go and pour in places and curse people, whose spirit are you invoking? Not Jehovah, not Jesus. He said, pray for your enemies. The one who said, pray for your enemies cannot come and back that oil you poured for somebody to die. So you are in idolatry. Your heart is not right with God. You can use the name of Jesus or Angel Michael or Gabriel. The source of that power is wrong. He says, you have not been appointed to do such. It is not our portion to go and curse people, to cast spells, to cripple people, whether through prayer, through anointing oil, through drinking uh, uh, wine, communion wine, or whatever means. If you go for an all-night prayer and all you do is cursing your enemy, I can guarantee you, Jesus is not there. Can you believe that Jesus, who is being crucified by his enemies, and he says, Father, forgive them, that same Jesus will come and kill your neighbor? What kind of Jesus are you worshiping? Spell casting, necromancy. Necromancy is dealing with dead spirits. 
somebody who says to you, I spoke to your dead auntie, and your dead auntie says so and so and so, or your dead mother says, your mother says, don't worry, I'm okay, I am where I am, I'm fine. That is demonic. And listen to me. If you have a dream, listen to this carefully, Africans. If you have a dream, and in the dream, a dead person is giving you instruction, it's not of God. It could be your father, your mother, your auntie. People say, oh, or so may die in a cast. No, 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 no. Nobody can come and so you die. In Christ, we are led by the Holy Spirit. We are not led by dead mothers and dead uncles and dead relatives. If you sleep and you see such a dream, bind it and cast it out. Because that's not how God leads his people. It's called necromancy. There is spiritism dealing with demonic entities like dwarfs, mami water, saints. You know, when we were kids, when we were going to play football, you know, people would go and come and call saints. You know, we didn't know any better, and they said they called Saint Anthony of Padua. <laughs> and they would sprinkle you know, all kinds of things, Florida water on us, you know, and we will catch, uh, we will bind the other team. You know, you, sometimes you take about 11 sticks and you bind them, bind them, bind them. <laughs> it's spiritism. It's spiritism. And sometimes, even today, born again believers. They go for prayer meeting and people say, they give you this, bind your enemy. We bind you, we bind you, we bind, we bind. Whom are you binding? <laughs> Do you think Jesus wants to bind your friend? He wants to set them free. He is the liberator, not the binder. Okay. So how do we maintain a pure heart? I'm going to show you a few ways, five ways to do that. Number one, keep God's word in your heart. God has revealed himself to us through his written word, the Bible. To know God, you must know his word. To know his word is to know him. The more the word of God dwells in us, the more God dwells in us. If you want to keep your heart pure, keep God's word in your heart. Keep God's word in your heart. Secondly, if you want to keep your heart pure, exalt God's word above your experiences. Exalt God's word above your experiences. This allows you to examine every experience in the light of God's word. No experience, no matter how sublime, powerful, real it is, is superior to God's word. And as Christians, we must judge God's word systematically. Now, normally when we say, measure everything by God's word, it confuses people because people say, well, but this happened, uh, you know, Saul uh, went to the witch and they called up the spirit of Samuel, you know, and all of that. So we see, we feel that anything in the Bible 
has the same measure. When we say you judge everything by the word of God, there is a hierarchy by which we judge God's word. And let me show you how you determine what is the truth from the Bible as you study. The first way you judge everything in the Bible, the first measure, the highest measure, is what Jesus said. The words of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, is the number one. Are you following me? The teachings of Jesus. You cannot place the experience of David at the same level as the word of Jesus. You cannot place the experience of Solomon on the same plane as Jesus. You cannot say Abraham did it, so it's in the Bible, so it's right. First, what did Jesus say? So, for example, when it comes to marriage, Abraham went to take his, you know, maid servant. David married multiples. And so many other biblical characters, Solomon went to the extreme. But if you want to determine what is a standard, you don't say, well, in the Bible it says so, and Solomon did it, and David did it, and Abraham, and you have to find out what did Jesus say? And Jesus says, in the beginning, God's will is one man, one wife. That is the standard. First, what did Jesus say? That is the first way of interpreting the Bible. Secondly, what the early apostles affirmed. What the early apostles affirmed. What does that mean? It means what did Peter, Paul, James, the early apostles of Jesus, what is it that they affirmed as the practice of the church? That's the second level. The third is what was established in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So first, Jesus and his words, the apostles, the Pentateuch. Fourth, what the Old Testament prophets declared. Fifth, God's dealings with Israel. Sixth, the experiences of the patriarchs and other biblical characters. So you don't put the experiences of the patriarchs as number one. You cannot say, well, this happened uh, to Noah uh, and this happened to the, so that is right. No, you start with Jesus and it goes down there. And whenever any practice contradicts the teaching of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus stands above everything. That is why we are Christians. We follow Christ. So when I say measure everything by the word of God, that's the hierarchy you use. The hierarchy. You start first with the word of Jesus. You, you follow with what the early apostles of Jesus taught as, as, as standard for the church. You go to the Old Testament, the first five books of Moses, uh, where you see God's revelation. You go to the Old Testament, prophets and what they said. You go into how God dealt with Israel. You go into the experiences of biblical patriarchs and matriarchs, the biblical heroes and characters. Now what I see happen is that many times people take the patriarch's example and make it the standard. And when you do that, you cannot always tell what is right or wrong. Christianity first and foremost affirms what Jesus taught. If Jesus said something is wrong, no matter what anything else says anywhere, the word of Jesus has the preeminence. He's the final 
and ultimate revelator of God's will. Number three. So I said, number one, let the word of God dwell in your heart. Exalt God's word above your experiences. Number three, have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 12 to 14, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit would come and reveal things about him and also glorify him. So have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Have a daily encounter with God through the Holy Spirit. Number four, stay prayerful and trust God. If you want to keep your heart pure, stay prayerful and trust God. What does that mean? Because, you know, times of crisis is when people begin to shake. Maybe you're a Christian couple, you're looking for a child, you've been married 10 years, 12 years, you don't have a child, and, and, and you go on and on, your faith begins to shake. And then somebody says, well, I know this person here and here, and I know that person there and there, and I know this, that, that. And, and all of a sudden, you find yourself shaking. Or you're looking for financial breakthrough, or you're looking for something, or you're looking for a wife or a husband, or, or you are sick, and people start suggesting dubious solutions to you because you are not prayerful and you don't trust God. You may easily shift. So if you want to keep your heart pure, stay prayerful and trust God. Trusting God is to trust him whether there is an answer or there is no answer. We trust him when he's silent and we trust him when he speaks. We trust him when he works and we trust him when we don't see him working. We know that he's a good God the thoughts he has for us are for good and not for evil. We may not understand what we are going through, but we trust him. That is what Job had. When he's going through all these situations, and people say, listen, curse God and die. And he says, can I just receive good from him? And when evil comes, I say, no. I know that my redeemer lives. That, and at the last day, he will show up. If nothing happens, I still trust God. The three Hebrew children faced before the fiery furnace of Nebuchadnezzar say, we know God is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we will still not bow. It's called trust. God is able to give you a child, but if he's delayed, trust him. God is able to heal you, but if you're not getting the healing, trust him. Don't start going places. Seeking solution from dubious sources. And finally, number five, be a lover and worshiper of God. Be a lover and worshiper of God. It's not just about shaking or falling to the ground. It's not about just miracles and signs and wonders. It's about a deep reverence for God, a fear for God. It's about honoring God on a daily basis, celebrating his goodness, at all times. First Peter 3.15 calls it, sanctify the Lord in your hearts. A pure heart is one that sanctifies the Lord in the beauty of holiness. If you want to keep your heart pure, keep your heart from idols and let Jehovah be the center of your life. I want you to just make a vow and a commitment to God that you will keep your heart pure that he would be the one you seek for 
that your heart will only find rest and safety in him. If you have pursued other gods, I want you to denounce them. And sometimes some of you need to come and talk to a pastor to be taken through deliverance because of all kinds of spiritual contaminations you've gotten yourself involved in. I want you to just pray and say, Lord, my heart belongs to you. My heart is yours. My heart is yours. I'll serve no other God. I'll serve no other God. Just talk to him. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebil, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebil. Email otebil at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.